For those who aren't aware, uh, my family, we live along the Mill Creek. It's a beautiful place to be. It's a nice, peaceful creek, and it's one of the highlights of our property. I'm not sure if you noticed that it rained on Friday, but it, but it rained a lot, like, like a lot of rain. It rained really hard at, at times, and it, and it rained really fast. It was a lot of rain. And, and the ground is only able to soak up so much rain so fast. And it, and it didn't take long for the creek to rise and to rise and, and to rise. And, like, it rained really hard. Now, the house we live in, the house we live in was built by my grandparents. It's, and my family has been there. It's been over 80 years. And, and the water has never made it into the house. I know this. This is part of family history. Even in the worst storms, the water has never made it in. Agnes and Katrina and Isaac, and it's never made its way in. But the forecasts. I see that we're going to have days of heavy rain, and I prepare the property for flood. We move things up out of the basement, uh, things we want to make sure they're going to stay dry. All the books from my office are in the basement. And as we watch the rain come down and we watch the creek rise, I, I worry. My family would attest to the anxiety I have concerning the flooding water. Now keep in mind, I know it's not going to make it into the house. But I'm still afraid. I'm still anxious. I'm still fearful. I doubt what I know is true. This morning, we're going to spend our time looking at Psalm 46. Now, you may be, <coughs> you may be familiar with this psalm, especially verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. But there are, there are moments, there are moments where it's hard to be still. There are times where it's difficult to be still. But I want to focus on more than just one verse this morning. I want us to spend time looking at Psalm 46. And, and here we see it's been written in the midst of adversity and, and with this idea of deliverance to come. This psalm can relate to anyone that finds themselves in the midst of trouble or anybody that's going to face trouble that's coming. So basically, this kind of covers everyone. And in this psalm, it doesn't matter how small your trouble is, how small your adversity is, how small your storm is, or it doesn't matter how big. Psalm 46 tells us that when trouble comes, when difficulty comes, when the battle comes, God is sufficient to get us through. God is strong enough to get us through it. God is powerful enough to get us through it. And God is always with us through it, never leaving us in the midst of it. And his power is greater than any of it. Perhaps this is the truth you need to hear this morning. Perhaps this is the one thing you just need to pay attention to. Nothing physical, nothing emotional, nothing spiritual is too big for God. 
but it's when we take refuge in him. When we hold on to him for our strength, in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our crisis, in the midst of our storm, we can have peace. We can have a quiet confidence because he is God. Because he's enough. Because he's with us. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd love for you to open them up to Psalm 46 and follow along as I read this morning. This is what God's word says. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he brought on earth. He makes the war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This chapter breaks itself up into three sections. So we'll use these as our three points this morning. We're going to look at God's promise, God's presence, and God's peace. So as we look at God's promise... We see these in, in verses 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar with foam and the mountains quake with their surging. It's important. It's important for you to notice as we read these verses that God is our refuge. He's not pointing you to a refuge. He's not directing you to a refuge. He is our refuge. God is our refuge even when the world is falling apart. He's our shelter. He's our safe place. God's promises, he promises to hide us in his shelter, to provide us with strength. He is ever-present help in trouble. Let that fill your heart. He is your refuge. He is your strength. He is ever-present. Meditate on that. Allow that to fill you. He is ever-present in your trouble. You are never alone in it. Psalm chapter 9, verse 9 says, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Brothers and sisters, these words should just flow from your lips. We should be reminding ourselves with this truth. We should be speaking it to others. This is something that should be constantly flowing from you. He is your refuge. He is your strength. He is ever-present help for you. Verse 2 continues with earthquakes and volcanoes, mountains falling into the oceans, and just sheer natural power here. 
Genesis chapter 1, God divides the land and the water. Here we see the land being thrown back into the water. Even though the earth gives way, even though the earth falls apart, we do not need to fear. We do not need to be afraid. And here I stand afraid of some creek water. Here I stand afraid of muddy water slowly creeping its way up into my house. And I'm worried and fearful. Oh, if only I had these words to speak. We often look at the image of mountains as a refuge or, or even in some place that, that is secure and, and it's unmovable. I mean, they're fixed pieces of the landscape, and yet here we see, we watch them fall into the ocean and we're to not be afraid. Oh, and it doesn't stop here. The waters roar with foam and the mountains quake. This is power that we read about. This is violent power. And this type of chaos would send us running, send us cowering, seeking shelter, seeking help. And this is the point. This is not a creek rising. The psalmist is saying that when your security is suddenly gone, when it's ripped from you and you need to seek refuge, you seek it in God. Our, our sense of helplessness and our sense of fear should drive us to Him. It should just send us after Him. I mean, we're all too familiar with this feeling of not needing God when things are going good or smooth. And then when the things fall apart around us, that's when we seek God. That's when we run towards him. But there's, there's a humility that, that we should have that would send us running to God even when things are running smoothly. Even when things are good. Why is it that when things are smooth, we so confident in what we can do? What can you do? In Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people who are called to be called my, by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. In, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of the storms around us, God has given us a promise. In the midst of the adversity we face, God has given us a promise that he is our refuge. God has given us a promise that he is our strength and our ever-present in our trouble. This brings us to our second point. God isn't just about his promise, but he's also, we have his presence. And we see this in verses 4 through 7. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The heart, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. There's a change here. We go from mountains falling into the sea to a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God has promised a refuge. God has promised us a, a, a shelter. But we should give him thanks and we should give him praise that we do not have to go far to find it. 
He's always with us. He's here with us. The presence of God in the city of God, this holy place where God dwells. God is sovereign. God is supreme. He is present with us. God's grace flows like a river and brings gladness to the joy of his people. While the ocean foams and roars, God's presence is calm and gentle. God's favor is like a river. In, in Psalm 36, 8, the feast of the abundance of your house, and, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. This image that we see here that describes abundance, it describes happiness, it even describes peace. This is where we need to be in the midst of everything falling apart. In the chaos that you find yourself in, in the adversity that you find yourself in, would you ever say that you feel happiness or peace? God being present with his people is a truth that we hold tightly to. Right? In verse 5, God is within her. Verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. God is with us. You've heard this since you were a child, learning about the birth story. In Matthew 1.23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The name Emmanuel, God is with us. He is with us. You have God with you at all times. He's not leaving you. He's not abandoning you. You have his promise and his presence. Look with me at, at the end of verse 5. At the end of verse 5, you, you see this at break of day. Oh. A few weeks ago, we walked through Lamentations chapter 3, and we talked about verses 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is faithful to us he will never forsake us. We, we just saw John read in our scripture reading this morning in Romans 8. Look at verse 39. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. God is present with his people. Even when the nations are in uproar and kingdoms fall. Even when nations are oh, in chaos, he is with us. The word uproar, or maybe your version even says rage, this is the same word that they use in verse 3 to describe the roar of the waters. When nations are agitated like waves of the sea, when nations are being tossed to and fro, God is still with his people. No matter how bad things get, we can count on his presence and his refuge. The Lord Almighty is with us. Psalm 24.10 asks the question, Who is he? This King of glory. The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Brothers and sisters, God is the King. He's the commander over every army, both spiritual and those here on earth. He uses them to accomplish his will and his purpose. This is the same promise of his presence that he gives to Moses, where he says, I will be with you. This is what we read here is he's the God of Jacob. He's our fortress. 
God is depicted not only as powerful, but also as a fortress that we can run to, that we can find refuge in, that we can find shelter in. Martin Luther, uh, 1546, not 1586. Um, Martin Luther loved the book of Romans. Martin Luther loved the book of Galatians, but Martin Luther also loved Psalms. Psalm 46 was actually his favorite psalm. And in 1527, in the midst of the the Black Plague that was sweeping across Germany and, and the European continent, during this time, Luther's son almost dies. And even Luther at that point, his body was fading away and he was struggling with the mounting pressures that he was having. And in the midst of this personal conflict, he finds himself contemplating on the promises that we read here in Psalm 46. He reads this encouraging psalm about an invincible Lord. And and reading through this, Luther composes what, what is probably his most famous hymn. My favorite hymn, A Mighty Fortress. And amid this adversity that he's facing, amid this chaos that he has, in the midst of this pandemic that they go through, something that he previously taught, something that he translated, now takes on a life much differently to him. It speaks differently to him. And because of that, many times later, often later in dark, rough, discouraging, troubling, chaotic, overwhelming, storming times, he would sing the 46th Psalm and encouraged others to do so as well. God has promised. God is present, and now we come to God's power. We can depend on God during our storms and trials, even in the midst of a pandemic, because of his promise and his presence and because of his power. And we see the heart of God here in verses 8 all the way through 11. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he had brought on the earth. He makes war cease and to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the shield with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We see in verse 8 that we're called to come and see. Come and see what the Lord has done. We're called to come and look. We're called to go and look, to behold and to see. Think about that phrase, come and see. This isn't something that's to be admired from a distance. Social distance isn't required here. You don't need to keep your six feet in this instance. Come, get close. This is to be intimate with God. You're supposed to get close to him and see what he has done. I often think about phrases my wife says when I'm writing sermons. Like they just come to me as I write these and, and one that my wife uses from time to time is junk in, junk out. And the idea is that you're filling your mind w- with, with what you're watching or what you're listening to, and, and it will ultimately find its way out. I, I'm sure at some point in your life, your mother told you this in some form. If you're filling your mind with junk, then junk is what's going to come out. 
I'm a great example of this. Uh, my mind is filled with junk, useless information, cultural references, and it finds its way out. Junk in, junk out. But, but if you fill your mind with good and important things, then that's what makes its way out. Come and see what the Lord has done. This is what we're to fill our minds with. What we have come to see. This is better than binging on Netflix or having Spotify just running in the background, filling our minds with the knowledge of what the Lord has done. Oh, recalling the things that we have seen. Meditating on the things that we read. Holding closely to the things that we hear. Come and see what the Lord has done. And in verse 9, this speaks to God's position as Almighty God. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks a bow and shatters the spear. He burns shields with fire. And the, the Assyrian army at this time is the, the mightiest on the planet. They, they overrun and conquer smaller kingdoms, and their, their mission is to conquer the world, but, but God has other plans for them. A broken bow is of no value. A spear that is shattered is no longer useful. Shields set on fire do not work. I mean, does it, does it feel like you're in a moment right now? Does it, does it feel like you're in a moment where you, you just find yourselves in the midst of trouble? In the midst of a storm? Adversity? I mean, we're, in the, we're, we're dealing with a pandemic. And the political arena is, is, is not showing great promise. Schools are, are meeting or, or not meeting, or now we're meeting, but we're meeting differently, or we're not, no, we don't even know what schools are doing. You, maybe you're just in the midst of your own personal flood. I mean, does it, does it feel like you don't have as much control over your life as you thought you did? You're, you're, you're not in control. You're not the one in control. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God had shattered sin, conquered sin and death. He provided eternal life. You, you didn't do that. You needed him to do that. The majority of this psalm is, is written in third person as, as the psalmist speaks about God. But in verse 10, this, this changes to first person as, as, as God speaks from his position as sovereign Lord. We're called to be still and know that I am God. This, this phrase, to be still, confuses us sometimes. Think about the idea of being still as letting it just fall away. Picture what it would look like for soldiers to just drop their weapons. We're to cease fighting a battle that we can't win. The picture of us opening our clenched fists and letting our hands fall to our sides as we leave matters to God. We're not just to have a moment of silence. This isn't about 20 seconds of silence or, or even just being quiet, although quiet is helpful. We're to stop and to surrender. 
we're called to let go. Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself. The purpose of being still, the purpose of surrendering, is so that we can know God. We're to acknowledge him. We're to know him. We're to learn about him. And to do these things on a deeper level, you need to come and see. And it's not enough to just know about him. You're called to know him relationally. You and I are called to have a relationship with him. And this requires that you know him. This also requires that you be still. Maybe not so concerned with your own self-effort. Maybe not so concerned with all the amazing things that you think you do on your own. Because brothers and sisters, they're not that amazing. Yesterday was my 48th birthday. I'm not a birthday guy. Um, my family knows this, and they respect that. They try hard. Uh, my thought is, there's a lot of people that have a birthday the same day as you do. You're not that special. <laughs> my wife tells me that this is wrong. But in the context of this, what you do that you think is so amazing, what you do that you think is so wonderful with your own strength, isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Be still so that you can see God at work. Be silent, all flesh before the Lord, for he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. There it is. Look with me at verse 10. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. As we quiet our hearts, as we reflect upon our position and God's position of power as Lord over the whole world, we will recognize his supremacy. We will recognize his sovereignty, and we will be able to see God's will triumph over all the nations. Until we are still, until we have surrendered before him, what the future holds will not really impact us. And I want you to hear this. Until we are surrendered to him, we will not be looking at what is to come with great joy. You cannot see the glorious rainbow when you're so focused on the ground. We know Christ will come again. We know all things will be made new. We know that there is eternity on the other side of this. But how hard are you holding on to the things that you want control over? I went outside time and time again as the rain fell, as the water rose. I walked up and down the property. I would stand and just watch. I would mark where the water was, and I would come back out and mark where the water was now. There was nothing in that scenario that I had control over. But I was so focused so focused on making myself feel that I had some control over what was coming, 
Or better yet, I was just allowing myself to be worried and anxious. So focused on that water line, so focused on where the water was coming, I never looked up to see the clouds. I never looked up to see God's hand. I missed the beauty of God's handiwork because I was so focused on muddy water. We're so quick. We're so quick to focus on the things we want control over that we miss the things that God is doing. Verse 11 is a great summary of this entire psalm. It, it repeats itself. It repeats verse 7. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We worship the Lord of history. Nothing has happened outside of His plan. Nothing ever leaves Him confused or astonished. Nothing ever catches Him off guard or surprises Him. The mountains can fall into the ocean, and for those who call Jesus their Savior, we have nothing to fear. In the midst of this pandemic, the more confusion and the more chaos that seems to be the trend, we have nothing to fear. When the presidential race seems discouraging, we have nothing to fear. When the nations rage against each other, we have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. God is our refuge. God is our fortress. We have his promise. We have his presence. And we know his power. I just want to close with a picture. As I was preparing to go to bed, and the water was continuing to rise, I was so focused where the water was. I never thought about the morning to come. Brothers and sisters, there is a new morning. God does new mercies every morning. This is what the backyard flooded looks like. This is what the backyard looks like the next morning. The water is back in its place, and yes, the ground is muddy, and it does smell a good bit. Don't miss this. The water does go back. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the adversity, in the midst of the turmoil, recognize that God is your refuge. Recognize that God is, our, is with us in his presence and recognize that we have God's power at our beckon. But recognize that he still does great things every morning. God is with us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise. We thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can come together as a body, that we can, uh, we can worship you. We're thankful for the new mercies that we receive every morning. We're thankful that that is a promise 
to us. Father, we thank you that we are promised that you are our refuge, that you are our strength, that you never leave us in our trouble. Oh, and Father, we do not have to seek you. You are with us. Oh. Would, would that fill us this morning? Father, for those brothers and sisters who are in the midst of their own flood, in the midst of their own adversity, would they cling to that truth that you are with them? And Father, you are sovereign. There's not a nation that will not bow to you. There's not anything that happens outside of your will or your purpose. Would we hold tight to these truths? And Father, would we remind ourselves in the midst of the mountains falling into the oceans that we will not fear? We will not fear because we have a Savior. And Father, we have a Savior in Jesus that sits at your right hand and mediates on our behalf. Father, we thank you for the gift of a Savior. We thank you that we can worship as a body. And we thank you that you are forever with us. And Father, we pray all these things in our Lord and Savior's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.